A thousand civilians are killed each year by law enforcement officers in the United States. Black men are 2.5 times more likely to die than white men. Good evening. This is The Reload. I am your host, Kiana Ward. Today is the day that we're going to cover and talk about a number of different things from police brutality, um, reform, voting, and so much more. I have on my panel today um, some intelligent, bright minds. Um, we have here with us the national organizer of the formerly incarcerated convicted peoples and families movement, Demetri Bids. And then we also have uh, my former chair, <laughs> who's been at law enforcement for over 30, 30 plus years, I think about 35 about 35, 35. 30, 35 years, um, mm -hmm. Sheriff Tyrone Lewis is with us. And then we also have a leader, <laughs> someone who is making changes and being a voice when it comes to voting and speaking up for um, um, what's taking place in, in our political system, Miss Rita B. She is a a very funny comedian making her way through the um, entertainment industry. So we're going to talk about her and her video that she created and produced and wrote um, called Kamala. So we're going to jump into this. Um, my question to you all, especially at the state of where we see the political system heading, where we see police reform is heading. And my question is, should there be a, def a, a defund um, in policing? Should we reform or should we just restructure um, certain things that we already have in place? So I'm gonna start actually um, with you. Um, I know I keep saying Sheriff Lewis, but I should, should I say Tyrone? You are always my Sheriff, Sheriff Lewis, so I'm gonna always go by that. Uh, but I wanted to start by with you and get your input on, you know, what, what we're seeing today. You know, we had George Floyd, we had that incident, we have um, Jacob incident, we have so many other, Breonna Taylor, um, that, um, you know, no not, um, um, that was in force and, and, and that individual losing her life. So what do you see the state of policing um, turning into in, in the state of um, the United States here? First of all, thanks, thanks for inviting me to this uh, forum show uh, <clears throat> podcast. And uh, just a uh, little bit of housekeeping. Uh, whenever you retire from a uh, political position, just like the president, yeah. you still keep the title. All right. So I don't have a problem <laughs> with still using the, the word sheriff, but uh, Tyrone is my birth name. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> but, but where we are today, uh, I retired in 20, 2015. Mm -hmm. And looking back at 2015 and comparing it to today's environment and law enforcement, it's, it's entirely different. Now, I come from a world of training. Right. So when you ask the question about defunding the police, I'm totally against it. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because the society needs law and order. Okay. They need the police. 
We're just gonna be frank about it. Matter does the police <clears throat> environment or society need restructuring and revamping? Absolutely. Because you cannot police <clears throat> in today's society like you did in 2015 and years beyond that. Uh, I think what's going on now is that we need to, instead of defund, do some retraining and train according to what is needed in today's environment, in today's society, on how to adjust. Uh, <clears throat> officers need to be able to adjust to uh, how to de debrief or, per se, de uh, escalate. Uh, things in a better better perspective because of what's going on now because they have not went back to the drawing board to draw up the textbooks for retraining. They're escalating instead of de-escalating. Hmm. Okay. And and I, I know, Sheriff, like with your experience, especially because of course I came within um, I came in your administration that first that first go around. And um, I think you really did preach a lot about, you know, de-escalating, de-escalating, letting that be um, the first reaction um, or response to any situation, conflict situation when you're interacting with civilians on the street. Um, but how do we really structure where we make we're making sure that those police officers or are, are really t taking accountability because it seems like that's what is going to to boil down to the accountability part because even with the video cameras on today right you have officers right. who have video cameras on they turn them on and that's accountability but what we are seeing now is that even that's not enough uh, to hold in court so how give I guess you can give some example or your thoughts on like how how can we make police officers be more accountability bring in more accountability on their part um, when they are de-escalating like how do you really get that imprint imprinted in their mind when they go out and interact with someone well you're going to hear me talk a lot about training yeah you know? mm -hmm. But beyond training, before you can even get to training, you got to uh, go back now <clears throat> and look at hiring practices. Mm -hmm. Because law enforcement, whether it's a local police or sheriff or state troop or whatever that you, you get into in law enforcement, starts with the hiring process. Mm -hmm. I think along with uh, the retraining, we're going to have to go back and look at who are we hiring? Do they really fit the mold to be able to adjust to today's society to deal with our citizens out there? So with that in mind, you're going to have to look at a lot of psychological tests, uh, uh, psychological ex exams. Uh, you have people out there that want to be, they can't find any other means of employment. So their last resort is to look to be in law enforcement. So we're gonna have to be a little bit more stricter on our hiring practices, who we hire and revamp the hiring practices itself. Because this job is not cut out for everybody. Right. Uh, just like uh, Reed Lee, everybody can't be a comedian. <laughs> you gotta get booed off the stage if you go up there and yeah. you're not funny or you can't do a, a good presentation. <laughs> 
So everybody's not cut out to be a law enforcement officer for real. Yeah. And um, Biggs, since you are in the room, and I, I think what what is the role of your organization? Because I know that you guys work with a lot of um, reentry civilians that are coming, you know, back into the world, coming back into society. What are you doing um, at FICP, FM, um, in, in, co in collaboration with law enforcement? Do, are you guys trying new, new methods or trying to collaborate to, to, to help even those who re go back out into society and are interacting with law enforcement as well? Thank you, uh, Kiana, and, and, and um, first and foremost, thank you all for uh, having me uh, this evening. I um, it was laughing when you mentioned um, uh, working for the sheriff, hailing from Hines County for many years. Uh, he was my sheriff, too, and so uh, it's always good to be in a room with, uh, uh, you know, family, uh, but so uh, if I can tackle the original question and then like lead into what you just asked. Yeah. Um, in, in that instance, it's going to be my opinion and not the organization that I agree with the sheriff in that we need to look at um, a restructuring of police departments, um, training. Uh, one of the things that um, I've heard Vice President Biden's campaign talking about is um, some sort of federal, excuse me? No, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. Some sort of federal accountability measures that is tied to federal funding for police departments. I don't necessarily know the rubric for that, but I feel like um, it would at least incentivize departments to meet certain uh, benchmarks relative to, I believe, training, I think is a big part of that. But uh, it, it's so many different, I think, ways that we could approach this besides defunding. When you use a term like defund the police, you obviously turn off a lot of people. We do need law and order, right? We do need uh, a police presence to protect families and communities. And so I don't think that personally is the answer. I think we try some of these other things uh, and give them the opportunity to work. Uh, but I, I, I do uh, echo the sheriff's sentiments that training uh, and that more testing of these recruits uh, is definitely needed because I think you may can start to weed out some of these bad apples we often hear about are bad actors. Uh, relative to the work that our organization does. Uh, FICPFM are the formerly incarcerated convicted people and families movement uh, is a network of over 50, now close to the 65 uh, civil and human rights organizations uh, that are working across the country in different states, led by folks with conviction histories or family members with them who are working through legislation, through judicial action, or through direct action, um, you know, to make the system better. Uh, we believe that those closer to the pain are closer to the solution, and so that's why a lot of our organizations do a lot of work around, you mentioned 
uh, reentry uh, at the onset of the conversation. But when we talk about mm-hmm. uh, prosecutorial accountability and policing, um, we are, you know, actively engaged in campaigns across the country in that realm as well. And so, one of the things that a lot of our members, our member networks and organizations believe is that we simply got to get some of these people out of office, right? So where you've got DAs and where you've got judges and where you've got where you've got people that our folks can touch in terms of removing them, mm-hmm. you know, that almost overnight uh, leads to better practices. Uh, or at least a, a an ally that our organizations and members can have communication with relative to our people, right? Uh, and so uh, at the very basic level, our organization is involved in states across the country and in judicial uh, and legislative races, uh, not legislative, judicial races uh, and races trying to uh, just get some of these bad apples out of there that are hiring you. The police chiefs are hired by mayors, a lot of times boards. And so if you got a problem with a police chief, your problem starts with the folks that hire them and so on. And so that's one of the things that we, particularly in this election cycle, have been actively involved in. Uh, but like I mentioned, you know, we, a lot of our folks, um, uh, you know, are fairly active at a national level with policymakers, right? So mm-hmm. when we start talking about some of the different uh, national policies that have been drafted or proposed, a lot of our folks may have had input on some of that. Uh, but we're doing all we can to not only change the narrative around uh, uh, folks with uh, conviction histories or on probation and parole or you know, other cl- uh, classifications. Uh, but we're also working to try to change some of the negative narratives uh, that are out there as well. Right. And I think that's so important. You said one thing, um, Biz, and it's probably will hop back to you too, um, um, Sheriff Lewis, is you talk about voting and getting, you know, old heads as I like to say out of office or people who are like stuck in certain ways and how um, they feel the judicial system or the city should be run um, when it comes to their their officers or whoever the chief or whoever the sheriff may be um, Tyrone you had I, re- I recall when um, you were in office it was a lot of lots of battles um, with the city with the county trying to try, trying to get them to um be more involved with like um with you know our shit with the deputies on the street to get more funding as well as with fixing the jail because this also reflects you know what happens inside of those prisons and inside of those holding um units um when there are a lack of funding uh so t- can you briefly just mention something um, about you know funding and 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 what that looks like um, from your perspective, Sheriff Lewis. Yeah, uh, one of the things we were trying to do is because uh, we control the county, which means we were the highest ranking law enforcement officer in the county, where you had several municipalities in the uh, in the county like the Jackson Police Department, the Clinton Police Department, Utica and all those 
uh, different entities that encompasses the county, mm -hmm. uh, everybody had a problem with funding uh, to try to hire, uh, to get the, the equipment they needed to, to get and in order, to, or in order to address the crime issues. So our goal was to bring everybody to the table. And it was very difficult to do when you have people that have egos that have other means of operating other than working as uh, United Front. Mm -hmm. So uh, we were able to do it with some of the uh, municipalities. And, and, and I think uh, if you look back in time, we were very successful in, yeah. in doing that. And not only were we able to unite some of the municipalities in the uh, law enforcement community, we were able to bring the community we were yeah. very big believers yeah. in community policing. Yeah. And we think that's a big part of networking to address the police brutality, as well as to uh, address the uh, relationships between the police and the, and the community. Uh, so, yeah, without proper funding, no one entity can, can do anything by themselves. So I have a question. Um, Rita. Yeah. So for me, just a regular person, don't have any experience uh, in the police force, but knowing the history, America's history with policing and race, how or whose responsibility is it for police and people in the community, for black people to feel like we are protected and served by the police? Because I don't feel like that. I feel fear and that's it. And I don't want to call the police. If you have somebody in your family who's mentally ill, they could end up getting killed. You know, we don't have the same confidence in the police as white people do. So whose responsibility is it? Well, what is the approach to rebuild that confidence? And, you know, like you were talking about with training, I was like, well, how do you, how do you train a cop not to be racist? Because we know there's some undercover KKK, white supremacists who were just taken over for their grandfathers who did the same thing. Uh, so what is that approach to where black people can feel protected and served by the police again? Uh, and, that, and, that's a, and that's a very good question, mm -hmm. uh, Rita, and I'm going to answer the best way that I can. Uh, you can't train a person not to be racist. You can educate them, yeah. okay? And, in order, and, and, and the other part of it is you just got to try to weed those individuals out with a new process of, uh, of hiring practices. And one of those one of those processes doesn't have to be with a psychological exam, uh, where they go see the psychiatrist. You have to look into these people's background a little bit deeper. You know who are they, folks? Uh, where do they come from? Go all the way back to the elementary school. Uh, just it's going to have to be that thorough now. Uh, but the other part of your your question or comment was being afraid to to network with the police or call the police. Uh, that can be fixed as well because I understand that there is a disconnect, big disconnect. Even here mm -hmm. in the state of Mississippi and in Jackson, Mississippi and Harris County, there's a disconnect now between civilians, community, mm -hmm. and the police department. So right. not only not only does the police department need to be trained, the community needs to be trained. And there can be some network training between the two. You know, years ago they had this program called uh, where they trained civilians on what they went through class themselves, on, on what a police officer go through as far as training. 
Yeah. Those kind of things are not obsolete. They can be brought back. So you can have an understanding on how a police officer does his job, why he do what he do, and just to see the things they go through on a day-to-day basis. So I hope I'm answering you or addressing some of the things you're saying, but that disconnect has to be connected again to, to, in order to gain that trust. I'm a 35-year veteran of law enforcement, and what I see now, I, I don't trust uh, and I, I come from the Jackson Police Department. I, I come from the Harris County Sheriff's Department. I trust them more than I do JPD, and I'm just going to be a fun about it. We got to know who we are putting out there to protect our citizens out here in our community. And our citizens have to be a part of that. I believe in citizen involvement. So that's the only way you, that's one of the ways you can get in and try to control uh, and be a part of of gaining that trust back in the community. It's the police department, law enforcement officers' job to gain your trust back. Yeah. And you can do that in a number of ways. We have neighborhood association meetings where they have presidents, where they meet on a on a monthly basis or a regular basis and invite those officers to those meetings and voice your opinions. And then vice versa. They can invite you to their meetings as well. We used to, we used to have- yeah. uh, we used, used to, to go every week. <laughs> We, we, we invited the uh, the public to our meetings as well as go to the neighborhood association meetings. That's how you gain that trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that, um, you know, I think this applies, like you said, Sheriff, it goes both ways. It's the community has to be involved, but also law enforcement has to be just as involved as well with bridging those gaps. And right. remembering that compliance by civilians doesn't eliminate you know racial differences either and when we like how they say here in new york when you see something say something it's like we have to revert to that too and then when when individuals whether it's a civilian or even another police officer you know making sure that you again accountability so when those officers are acting out of character or abusing their authority then it needs to be reported and civilians must know it it's so it's okay to be afraid but still voice your opinion still report the issues and and write in those complaints to those offices offices um to get those officers off of the street so um it's, it's interesting to see even your perspective like you said with you having all the experience of being a, a police officer in your background and what we're seeing today you are even afraid <laughs> and you fear where um, policing is is heading and, and who's in control and who's uh, making the call to to um, get those individuals who are putting other people's life in danger out of those positions um, when it yeah and, and one yeah. of the things that uh, uh, Mr. Big brought up earlier, and you did too, uh, to uh, address what Rita was was, uh, was asking mm-hmm. is, uh, this is part of the, this is a big part of the voting process. Yep. Yeah, who you who you got in the office can determine how your law enforcement agency uh, connects with the community. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why it's so important 
that we all get involved in the voting and election process. You know, it's not just on the national level. Yeah. Uh, the local yeah, level local. is very important because, you know, uh, most of the uh, issues that we're having, even around the, the country, is, is by uh, municipalities, local municipalities, uh, police departments. So who you have in office is very important. Bits, can you speak on that? Because not only because you're the national office, um, organizer for um, FICPFM, but also with your background working in politics too, which I should have mentioned that. Um, <laughs> your background and years you have spent working in politics, um, how do we get individuals on a local um, level to be more engaging and voting for the right people and making sure when it comes to like those policies and those bills, you know, being passed because that's where the change right. takes place at when the, when they submit those um, bills um, to be voted um, upon. Sure, you know, some people say that it's a matter of um, uh, engagement with folks, enthusiasm. Some people say it's a matter of educating folks. Usually, when we have, you know, as I think back on all the years of campaign work I've done. A lot of the wins came from, you know, we're talking about Mississippi, so it wasn't that many of them beyond local races. But a lot of those wins came when, you know, we got folks engaged, we educated them on the candidates or the issues. Uh, and we had candidates, A, that were enthusiastic to where they would want to vote for them. Uh, but, you know, you, you figure out a way to tie the reason for either voting for someone or against to someone's, whether it's their livelihood, whether it's their future, what have you. We've not done a good job of that over the years, right? We let a lot of local races go uncontested, uh, unfault because maybe we're trying to get a governor elected and that's all the focus, right? Or a senator. And so what's happened is a lot of the stuff that's been happening at the local level, judges, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, it's important who the DA is, you know what I'm saying? It's important who the mayors are because as the sheriff mentioned, these are the folks who hire the prosecuting attorneys, the, 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 the police officers, you know? And so what, what our organization, uh, well, network is, we're not just one organization, but what our members have done this cycle particularly, and a lot of them have been doing it for years. Uh, is we're looking at DAs, judges, primarily, and then we're telling folks, vote for Joe Biden, vote for, you know what I'm saying, Senator, whoever. But it's important because it's affecting these folks' lives now on the ground in their communities uh, when they can't, you know, uh, get jobs or when they can't get certain services or when you know, they have to pay fines and fees and all these different ridiculous things. And so there's no reentry programs. And so uh, it, it's, it's, it's much more, I think, beneficial for us to begin the process of showing people how important it is to not uh, sit out local races that may not seem to matter, uh, but focus there and then go up, you know. It is important, you know, obviously that we change who's in the White House, uh, but it's going to matter in Orleans Parish who the DA is. Mm -hmm. 
right. just as important to folks that are directly impacted than who ends up in the White House. And so what our organizations have been doing is tying local races and candidates and campaigns as best we can to people's, you know, uh, futures or, 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 or what's going on with them now, um, while also making sure they understand the importance of those federal races as well. Uh, all right. politics is local, right? Yeah. That's like 101. But we say that, but don't practice it. And so where we've been hurt, and I think where our people have been hurt the most is at the local level. Right. And so we're fighting to change that, uh, particularly this cycle. Yeah. You, you mentioned, um, Joe, you know, again, focusing on the local election, then shift, shift that um, conversation to, yeah, supporting Joe Biden and, and um, um, on this upcoming election. I do know that um, with the vision that Biden has in place is that he wants to introduce the SAFE Act um, from front to end. It means from whatever happens on, on the outside, the first contact uh, with, with a civilian de-escalating to what happens to how many years they're served, making sure they're not being um, long-term, uh, spending long-term years, a long-term in a, in a prison for just like one gram of marijuana or something like that on them. Um, is there really real hope? Like people, you know, with this election, we hear we go through this same cycle and and Rita I want your input on this too because I think this sort of applies to me too especially um with you you know creating your video and your content in support of Kamala and, and Biden um is there real hope in the next president or vice president when they get in office, will we see real results? Because we do know with a lot of policies, with a lot of changes, sometimes it takes up to two years for those policies or those changes to really go into uh, full effect. So is there real hope in, in the, everybody getting out to go vote for a group of people where we've heard the same story, we've heard the same narrative, we've seen the same storyline of what you know, changes they want to bring to the judicial system. And I want to hear from each of you um, in, in your perspective. Oh, I can answer so first. I think, um, go ahead, Rick. Yeah, go ahead, Rick. yeah. Yeah, uh, Mike has a, a strong preacherly vibe about him, so that he just don't get my Yeah, I think there is hope. I think there is hope because there's desperation. That's what I see from my point of view that people are so disgusted with the current administration that we're like pretty much any alternative is better than what we're having now because we see the impact, you know, what, what, what the current president says on Twitter, you see real results in the streets, you know, mm -hmm. because I am a firm believer that the young man, Kyle Rittenhouse or the young thug, whatever you want to call him, mm -hmm. uh, was directly influenced by Trump. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. when you have leadership at the top like that, that is toxic, unapologetically toxic, um, it tr it trickles down, you know? So absolutely, I think there is hope because we, we want to see change. We don't want to see the world keep getting worse. Even with the pandemic, 
you know, I, I'm a strong believer that had Obama been president when this had happened, it would not be where he is right now or anybody other than him, you know. So from, from my communities, from my groups and organizations for folks, there is a lot of hope. And especially now that Kamala is running, I feel a lot more hope from women and uh, sororities, HBCUs. There's a certain amount of pride that's present now that I think she helped uh, Biden get a little momentum that maybe he has been lacking. Now, I do think they still have some work to do with the millennials, which is kind of why I released my song uh, because it's trap music and I know how effective <laughs> music can be. You know, I know how effective yeah. music yeah. can be. So yeah. if I can get to them through music messaging, that's what I'm going to do. But ultimately, the answer is yes. I think there is hope. Now, there are some people who are just like, never Kamala, never Biden. You know, I, I want it burning. I want it independent. And, you know, you're just going to have to leave them behind. Like, I'm not going to waste energy arguing with them. You know, yeah. if they, there's no chance of converting some people. So just don't waste the time. That's so... Let me ask you this, Rita, what what changes are you eager to see happen or change? Because like I'm one of those individuals, I'll be honest with each of you. I'm one of those individuals where I've seen because I have worked in the political system and I've worked in law enforcement and I've, I see how everything works and and what the media show you how things work it's totally different how it works in the background and how a lot of changes takes place and how a lot of deals get made and how a lot of, you know, different politicians are persuaded to vote this way, vote in their interest or even vote not in their interest um, for a number of things. And I, what, for you, what changes are you, are you really hoping would go into effect if Biden and Kamala um get in office do you do you feel that brianna taylor's case will get justice do you feel that jacob um i, I forget jacob last name but do you feel like his case um he's gonna get justice or um Amai, is that case going to get justice because it also you know um the ju the justice system it also touches outside of officers it's it's the civilians who make you know, commit crimes too. And a lot of those individuals who get away with murder when it comes to um, racial um, differences and things like that. So tell me what exactly are you looking for for this, the next president or the next VP to... Um... Well, I hate to say this, but uh, some of my hopes are just basic, like bringing dignity back to the office. Mm -hmm. uh, also bringing intelligence back to the office. Like these things... The, the positions have gotten so watered down and muddy and it's filled with scandals and tweets and yeah. things like that. So I'm looking forward to us not being looked at as a joke again. And I'm a comedian. I like jokes, mm. but I don't like look, being looked at my whole country as a joke. So to answer your question, do I think those things would change as far as who gets charged? Uh, honestly, I hope so. I am hopeful. I mean, when Obama said if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon Martin, that set a mm. tone. So when you have a president and a vice president who can even acknowledge things and set a tone that can be very impactful and effective so i think we will see some changes just because the tone will be different biz you want to go preacher or i will say that i agree uh 100 with rita uh, in that you know i remain hopeful 
uh, as she mentioned that the leadership comes from the top. When we look at the Justice Department under Attorney General Bill Barr, uh, and then you reference whether it was Ahmad or, or Brianna or these different cases, mm-hmm. a an attorney general at the federal level that leans on, let's just say we've got a hesitant DA, right, or a prosecutor in a county, and let's say the district U.S. attorneys and the AGs in the states are not really pressing them to file charges. Well, you've got a, an attorney general who has a arsenal of whether it's civil rights divisions or uh, all these different, you know, bureaucracies that can address what are obvious uh, crimes, you know, racially motivated crimes or killings, um, it, it changes the tone and it also changes the rate in which you see justice served for a lot of us. And so um, just knowing, and you look at Minnesota after the George Floyd killing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 former Congressman Ellison, who's not an AG there, was able to swiftly bring charges against the office, you know. But then we look at Kentucky with Breonna Taylor and we look at the AG there, who kind of looks like us, you know, but it's not. And so what we'll see is, I think, and I'm not naive enough to think that we'll get everything we want. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, we don't know what all we want, but we are at least able to articulate what we see is wrong and what we think fixes are uh, appropriate, I think, for it. And so I I would just envision a new attorney general, a new Justice Department direction, uh, I think, would have an an impact on the level of justice in which we see happen in a lot of these states. But I think it starts at the top uh, and it works its way down. And if we can change the top, then I think we'd be in a much better position on a lot of these issues. Right. Sheriff Lewis, you want to take it away with your... Well, I'm going to echo and agree with what they both said, just to uh, reflect back on the hope. Uh, I'm going to always be a believer and never give up on hope. But can't let the fire die or burn down. Right now, there's a lot of excitement, but our job is still to remain positive and enthusiastic enough to keep that fire at a higher level all the way through election day. Mm-hmm. I just got my daughter registered to to vote. Uh, just go around. Oh my yeah. God, she's eighteen. No, actually, she'll be eighteen November first, but she's registered now. Yeah. Oh so the problem is. She, I sent her out for USM. Problem uh-huh. is getting her back here on election day on November third to vote. So I'm going to take a a phrase out of uh, our good friend. Whatever means necessary, she coming back here to vote. <laughs> when we go back to school, yeah. later, we had to eat that. So we got to keep that fire burning. Just because we get them re- registered, we got to get them to vote as well. Right. So uh, as far as what would it look like? under uh, Biden and Harris. Got a lot of hope for that too. But you got to remember in eight years, uh, President Obama can do everything he wanted to do and everything we wanted him to do as well. So it's gonna take some time. I do feel better about it. 
and we'll be in a much better place and much better situation uh, than what we are now. And mm-hmm. it's going to take some patience and some understanding as we go through this process. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I, I really um, enjoyed each of you participating. And um, Rita, we're going to stay on probably like five more minutes. Um, my last question um, too, especially um, you, Sheriff, and Biggs, is what is your ask to the community? What are what is a what is a an action you really want people um, to be aware of, or to to the, an action to take when it comes to voting um, in in this um, next election and when it comes to policing? What, what is the action that, that they can do next? Whether that's get involved with, you know, your local law enforcement agency, take, take those classes, like you mentioned, Sheriff. Like, um, I know Jackson um, Police Department, they used to have a civilian- um, a, a Citizens Police Academy. Yeah, yeah. Do they yeah. still have that? And, and is that a first step to, to help with bridging that gap and um, making, that community and communication um, better? Well, well, I say yes. And uh, I think that, uh, again, that the, the citizens do not need to just lay idle. Of course, Hines County and the city of Jackson is, has, is not experiencing the law enforcement issues right. that they are experiencing across the country. But uh, that's because of uh, in my opinion, we are majority African-American. Mm-hmm. So we don't experience a lot of what the other parts of the nation is experiencing, but still there is a fear of police uh, officers from our citizens here because of the disconnect. So I, I my, my plea is for the citizens of, of, of our community to get more involved and more vigilant in the day-to-day operations of uh, police departments. You know, go meet the chief. Uh, go to their go to their uh, roll call meetings. Invite them to the neighborhood association meetings. We used to have this thing called National Night Out, and that was a good thing where the community mm-hmm. and law enforcement came together for one night to address the crime issues. To meet everybody would meet their neighbors as well as meet the local police officers. So there are some things that we are not have gotten away from that was actually effective that we need to get back to because they're not obsolete. So my thing is number one is get out there and vote. Mm-hmm. Get the right people in office. And then, you know, you got to, you got to have to apply pressure on, on these police departments. Uh, and it starts, again, like you said, it starts at the top. In law enforcement, it starts with the chief or it starts with the sheriff. And in some cases it starts with the mayor. Yeah. So. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I agree. Um, <laughs> You know, again, 100% there. I think we, uh, you know, people often, uh, you know, feel like there's really no hope. We constantly are seeing people that look like us gunned down and murdered in the streets by law enforcement um, or by people that are praised by the leaders of the country and so on and so forth. And so a lot of people obviously feel like the vote doesn't matter um being involved doesn't matter but i think we have to my ask is that people 
you know, vote like it does matter. And, and it really does matter, I think, when we finally get to a place where we exercise the real power of the vote that we have uh, in a way that we elect people up and down the ballot that may not look like us, but they at least, you know, are talking to us and hearing our issues and trying to change things. And so, you know, my hope is that people vote uh, and, um, and, and then, like the sheriff said, and then once you get the people you voted for in office, begin holding them accountable, begin getting involved. And I think that's how we truly change us and make this a system where our uh, lives and everything else matter. Uh, and so I'll leave you all with that. Yeah. And Biz, can you last, can you also just touch on this real quick? Because we really didn't talk about it, but I just want to make sure um, for those who are part of the re-entry process and, and their voting rights, um, what can we see different in that process? Like, I know some states now, they're trying to make it easier for um, those who do have felons to vote, but there's also, um, you know, certain rules and guidelines right, right, right. And, and, you know with their felon in order to vote in order for sure to so it is it, it differs really across the country most mm -hmm. of the restrict restrictions and most restrictive voting uh re-entry uh a re-enfranchising legislaws uh that keep people from not voting with uh conviction histories obviously are in the south uh, but we've we, 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 we're working we've got you know, propositions out in California right now, this uh, uh, given the right to vote to, I think, up to 60,000 people on the ballot this cycle. We just won in Florida in 2018, 1 1.4 million people with conviction histories uh, granted the right to vote. We just won four days ago in North Carolina, temporarily 10,000 of the 50,000 eligible on parole and probation can vote in this election. And so there are laws that are different everywhere. Some places make you pay fines and fees. In, mm -hmm. in a lot of our targeted states, we're paying that mm -hmm. uh, for folks. Uh, and so it really just depends. Mississippi obviously is one of those restrictive places, but we've got folks on the ground working to try to change that. And so what I, what I say to people is, um, you know, go to FICPFM.org, find organizations within your states that are working on this issue uh, and reach out and, and we'll do what we can to point you in the right direction. There are several states you can vote in, uh, but there are many more where there's some layer of bureaucracy or whatever that may prevent it. But um, it's a real issue, but we're, we're finding in the states that we're running aggressive campaigns that we're winning the rights to vote for thousands of people. Um, hundreds of thousands of people actually so we're going to keep at it but uh, just you know do the research to find out you know who's helping folks get their rights back all right well I thank you Sheriff Lewis and I thank you Biz for stopping in on um, the reload and discussing you know police reform and what it looks like and what we have to do with you know being better voters and um, just educating ourselves too and being more engaged in our community. So um, thank the both of you for um, stopping in.
Thanks for having me. Thank y'all so much. Bye. All right, Rita. We're gonna spend like three minutes. I just really wanted you to um, have the floor, uh, just me and you, and really just dive more into like what you're doing, comedy-wise. What's going? What's what's up? If you want to tell a joke or two, come <laughs> spread some laughter um, to my podcast. I got you. Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, I'm still in the pandemic or operating that way at least. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, I'll be honest with you, Kiana, I have enjoyed being unemployed just a little bit. Uh, you know, you ain't back yourself. You ain't back yourself. The Republicans keep saying, like, you know, if they don't go back to work, they're not going to want to work. I'm like, they are exactly right because I literally have been living the past few months, pardon the sirens, I'm going to be okay. No, 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 you okay. But I've literally been living the past few months uh, like a like a trans rich white lady. Like that's who I I'm identifying as. Hello, did you say a trans rich I said white a trans wo- rich white lady? <laughs> I've I've been going to the grocery store. I've been going to Cuba. I you know call the police on a couple of black folks and then I go home. <laughs> oh, yeah. see, I call the police on a couple of white people. See, I've been Karen. I've been the black Karen. In the black king. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I'm married Beth right now. So yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I I mean, I'm ready to get back on the road. Of course. Yeah. And that was a joke. I don't call. It. Yeah, I yeah, I know. I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> Me too. I'm yeah, I'm ready to get back on the road, but I, I am just a little scared. You know, I went to a couple shows. I've been going to the shows just as a as an observer. I saw your and, post. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And they they not they not they not cleaning the mics, you know, and I'm like, uh, I don't want to go back to church right now because you know they look at your neighbor and say, you know, and the neighbor spit on your nose. And, you know, it might be yeah. cold on the tip of your nose. So I'm yeah, uh, yeah. So what's next? What's next? Any any you have any upcoming shows other than the one you just had? Um, yeah, I have a virtual one, a virtual show coming up September 12th. It's called okay. Tania and Rita Live. Tania Sanders is a, a very good friend of mine. She's a songstress and a songwriter. And so uh, before the pandemic, we were planning to do a, a dual tour, like a duo, mm-hmm. where she does music and I play drums for her and then I do comedy and we're gonna do this banter type thing. So we're gonna do that virtually this coming Saturday. Uh, you can get tickets on Eventbrite. It's called okay. Tania and Rita Live. So she's gonna be playing some of her original songs. I'm gonna play drums for her. I'm going to play some of my original songs she's going to sing for me. And mm-hmm. we are really, really funny together. So it's just a mixture okay. of, of music and comedy. And uh, that's September 12th. And okay. On Eventbrite. So I'll, that's I'll make sure I put that under my post when this, um, once I upload the, the podcast and yes. share that for you. Um, so let's talk about Kamala, the song, your song. Because I know. I didn't want to go out in detail and share movies and beers with all here. Because I know you were hot. You were hot. And you were mad. And I know I made sure I made a point because I, I was getting a lot of inbox, inbox um, messages because I posted something, um, you know, about just, you know, people not being upset that some people will not vote in this election. And it's it's part of that political process. What a lot when a lot of people 
you know, you have people who are working the street who are knocking on doors, asking people to vote, but then when it comes to election day, the numbers are not where they should be. Um, especially, you know, coming from Mississippi, like it's it's crazy how many people don't vote and there are so many of them that are registered to vote. So what really prompts your your uh, motivation to being like, you know what, I'm about to I'm about to make this song. I'm tired of people talking about they ain't voting for her because she ain't black enough or she's not she you know, she imprisoned a lot of people. So Speak on that real quickly before I, I let you go, and then I'm gonna let you say whatever you need to say or want to say before we exit um, the show. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you touched on voting because uh, being somebody from Mississippi, there have been a lot of racially motivated murders simply because black folks were trying to get the right to vote. I cannot, with good conscience, not vote when Megger Evers is dead because he was trying to fight for the right for us to vote. I cannot with good conscience not vote when we had three civil rights workers who that's all they were doing was fighting for our right to vote. And somehow the police and the white supremacists were in cahoots to kill them. And they killed them and buried them and they had to find them all because they were trying to get us the right to vote. So I cannot with good conscience sit here and say, I'm not voting when people have died for my right to do this. And the next question is, well, why? Mm -hmm. Why? Why are they martyrs? Why were they working so hard for our right to vote? Because clearly they knew that things change when you vote. Things change when you have good people in high positions. You know, that's why we were trying to get the Civil Rights Act passed. That's why we were trying to get uh, the education rights and laws passed. You know, voting Mm -hmm. does matter. It used to be illegal to be black. It used to be illegal <laughs> to be in an interracial couple. And what changed that? Voting laws yeah. changed. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm, I'm so adamant and passionate about it because clearly voting matters. And I'm not going to be uh, dismissive and say, I don't, under- I don't understand why people say, oh, I'm not going to vote because yeah. I get it. I mean, just earlier this year, I was like, man, I, I don't I don't have faith in anything. I don't have faith in any of these politicians. You know, they're all about money and greed and they're corrupt. And, you know, I was just saying local level, local level. I'm not worried about the, the national level. But then I see the things that happen uh, when when Trump says things that he says and then he empowers and enables people. And, yeah. you know, we're at a new level of divisiveness. Like it feels like the 60s, you know, yeah. it, that's what it feels like. That's what he makes America feel like. And so I'm like, well, I don't want to be complicit in having him uh, get another four years. So that's why I'm so impassioned about encouraging people to vote. And, you know, with the Kamala song, um, I'm a black woman. Uh, Kamala has black in her. She has black roots. You know, she went to an HBCU. I went to an HBCU. She's in a sorority. I'm in a sorority. She's a powerful, intelligent woman. I'm a powerful, intelligent woman. So it felt like when they were attacking her they were attacking me that's how it felt that's how it felt it felt like it felt like hey you know we have an issue with this woman because of all these things but none of it really had uh enough credence for me you know Mm -hmm. and i'm just like i'm just like you, you 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 can't do that you can't 
do the enemy's work for them, which is what I consider this. When you badmouth her, have conversations, have conversations, yeah. question records, you know, uh, accountability. I'm for all of that, but tearing a woman down because she's with a white man or oh, you know, she's yeah, not yeah. black enough, she's light-skinned, she got long hair, <laughs> all of this stuff, it absolutely doesn't matter. It's ridiculous and it's petty and uh, attitudes like that will end up having him uh, back in office. So yeah. I wrote the song as a as a song of solidarity, um, as, a, as a song of empowerment for other women who stand with Kamala, who can relate to Kamala. You know, I can relate to her. Yeah. Being the, the only woman in these in these places with men and, and being questioned, my, my greatness and my, my, my competence being questioned. You know, I'm, I'm reading her book and I'm seeing how she scratched and clawed her way to the top. You know, nothing was given to her on a silver platter. Her mm-hmm. parents were in the, in the civil rights movement. She saw it growing up. That's how they met. You mm-hmm. know, her mom is an immigrant. She represents so many different pockets and categories that I, I don't think uh, people should take lightly. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the song you know, as empowerment to encourage people to, to, to give her a chance and uh, just to let folks know where I stand. And I'm, I'm going to stand with, with Black women, period. Black and I know she's an Indian, <laughs> a bunch of other stuff too, but I mean, she's also Black, so. Yeah, she, her roots because of, uh, with her father being Jamaican, and no matter if you're Jamaican, whatever country you're from, if you, it's all rooted from Africa. So we're yeah. all Black at the end of the day. So I, I'm glad to hear your perspective, unlike other people's perspective, um, in terms of why they are choosing to voting voting for her. I'm more critical. I'll be honest with you. I am more critical. I am with anybody, not just her. Um, I like to to make sure that we, as people, we are challenging ourselves because, I for me, I do feel that we are we are stuck. Of course, I don't want Trump and I don't want anybody to feel like I'm saying do not vote because I do believe in voting. Voting is important. Um, But I do hope to see real change with Biden and and um, Kamala, because I think we can no longer with our democracy, we can no longer um, just be okay with certain things passing. And as long as we got that that's good enough. I think it has to be drastic change in every entity that um, helps this country operate and moves and shift. Um, and and I hope that Biden would do the right thing with the help of um, Kamala. And if it doesn't happen within this four years, I think we as a society need to break the status quo with you know, being so tied up in whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. I and, completely agree. And there needs to be a new reform party um, that agree. is more established. And I think that's what it is for me. It's like, I'm ready to see a new party. Like, I'm done with whether I'm a Democrat or a Republican because for me, I do, I relate to both parties in, so, in certain ways. Like, you know, um, yeah. And well, you could also you could always be uh, with Kanye West's birthday party. He he's referring to birthday party. We 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 talking about we we talking about confetti every day. You know what I'm saying? You can do that. You can, you can be a part of the birthday party. And <laughs> girl, and, and we ain't gonna get into to Kanye and his 
dreams and hopes because I don't want to knock anybody's dreams of hope for being president one day, but we do have to be really... I see where he's going, but I'm scared of him just like I'm scared of Trump. Like, I think he will be another... Because he's a narcissist too. We know that. And with narcissist people... He's a loose cannon, so I don't know. <laughs> but um, I thank you for your perspective because that that does give me a different look and and how you're viewing this election compared to people who don't know a lot and they're just voting just to vote. I hate when people just vote to vote. I want you to be. I want you to educate yourself and I want you to know the reason why you're you're voting and know that we can make changes where if we're tired of the Democrats and we're tired of the Republicans, then let's take that energy to start something new that's going to help the country as a whole because we're different now. We have gays. We have um, LGBTQ community, excuse me. We have, you know, interracial dating. So the world, the time and the identity of people and the faith of people and the religion of people and what people just believe in and what they're trying to do with their life and career is changed. We're no longer um, the country that was created and, and based on voting in what, 1770, 1776, whatever the case may be. Um, but, but thank you. Um, we, I will be promoting your song on this podcast. And and I, I hope you do get that that invite to um to one of these um I guess virtual celebrations they'll probably be having um leading up to election day. I hope somebody invites you and you sing that song and you promote it and you get the recognition that you deserve. And um I'm excited to see where your career takes off. because uh, I went to Jackson State too. And um, I remember seeing you a couple of times, but not that not that much. But when you started coming out with doing all your little sketches on Facebook, um, I, I did become a fan and um, continue your work. I hope you come back to New York. Next time you're in New York, please link up with me. So um, I'm here now. The, oh, you're in New York now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, whenever you're free, I'm not going to put okay. any pressure on you. Um, let's link up. Um, I'd love to introduce you to some people that um, that could probably um, help you with some things in entertainment too that I that I know of. But um, okay. much success. Keep it keep it going, and, and thank you for being a part of the the reload today. Okay. Absolutely. Everybody can follow me at Rita Break Comedy. That's R I T A B R E T Comedy on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. And uh, be sure to get my song, Kamala. It's uh, K-A-M-A-L-A. It's on iTunes. It's on uh, YouTube Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Music. Be sure to get the song, stream it, download it. I appreciate the support. And Vote Blue. Vote Blue. Vote Blue. September the 12th. Don't forget about it. Thank you, Rita. Have a good day. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys, this is The Reload. I am your host, Keanu Ward. Thank you for tuning in today. As we talk about reform, we talk about voting, and we talk about what's next to come. Have a great day.